the job of the accelerator is to actually figure out which ones don't work. I think at the early stages, if you can figure out that something, that there's no opportunity there and you've only invested three, six, 12 months into it, that's a win. Cause then you can go on to move on to the next idea or mm -hmm. the next opportunity for yourself. I'm here. Hello, hello, hello. I am super duper excited. Episode 54 of the afternoon tea has a wonderful gentleman by the name of Marlon Thompson joining me. Marlon, before we start our blah blahs, let me give you a very deep and rich introduction that is Marlon Thompson. Marlon Thompson is an angel investor, startup founder, and experienced advocate for diversity in business. Thompson founded Future Capital in 2020 to change the landscape of startup investing across North America. In addition to his role as CEO of Future Capital, Thompson serves on the advisory council for diversity at Lululemon as a member of the board of diverse. Uh, pardon me, as a member of the board of directors for Queer Tech, a Montreal-based nonprofit organization that aims to queer the tech ecosystem. I like that. And as a venture partner for LOI Ventures, prior to launching Future Capital, Marlon developed and led diversity initiatives that support founders and investors that he likes uh, for, for the likes of League of Innovators and Highline Beta. In addition to his work on diversifying the tech and VC industries, Marlon is a current community representative for the Rainbow Foundation of Hope and has served as a refugee sponsor in partnership with the Rainbow Refugee Foundation and the National Film Board of Canada. Marlon, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. And my, my first question, what haven't you done after reading all that? <laughs> a really long introduction. And um, yeah, I appreciate you making the, the space for it, but um, I can imagine that's a lot of like just abbreviations. Um, there's I'm lots just that glad I, I didn't done. stumble. I'm just <laughs> yeah. glad I didn't stumble as much as I did. There was some yeah. stumbling, but you know, I think I think I think I did fine. Well, you know what? My first question is gonna be: Do you remember meeting me for the first time? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you. I, well, okay, wait. So my first memory of meeting you was actually coming to your office, but maybe that wasn't. The oh first. really? Well, yeah. do you know? Do you know there was one because I. <laughs> It was, we both were judges at a UBC hackathon That's right. Yes. and you had the biggest puffiest jacket I have ever seen. I was yes. just like, wow, that is like someone you want to hug. <laughs> but I think I also confused you because you said your name was Marlon. I mm -hmm. thought you said Merlin. And I said to you, wow, you're the second Merlin I've met today, which was a fact. And it must've been a very confusing fact to you because one of my kids hockey coaches was also, well, was a Merlin for real, not for you. But I just wanted to set the record straight that I know your name is Merlin, but Merlin would have been pretty cool too, I gotta say. I really appreciate that memory. I totally forgot about that. Hackathons, that was, that must've been like four or five years ago. I haven't it, done one of those at in least, a while. Yeah. At least it was, it was definitely a while ago. Do you still have that jacket? Cause that was the coolest thing. I had that jacket and then I got an even puffier jacket um, <laughs> from Lululemon last year or actually this year. So now I have two big like space spaces when I walk around Vancouver. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you got to keep dry, right? You got to keep yes. dry. Well, yeah. you know what? Future Capital is super excited about your mission and what you do. Tell me about it. Yeah, okay, so um, Future Capital is um, a, a new company. I started the venture in 2020, August of 2020. And our mission is really to create uh, a new and more diverse cohort of startup investors. So um, we do that in a number of different ways. I'm sure we'll get into kind of all the mechanics, but really the company was born out of, you know, my own experience, um, kind of working my way up the, the food chain and um, in tech and and in startups and I ended up working for 
uh, a venture capital firm and, and um, working in BC, I saw that there was just so much opportunity um, to broaden uh, the decision-making table, bring new perspectives in, mm-hmm. um, into kind of the, you know, the, the small group of people that um, make a lot of really important decisions around what companies get funded. So that's, that's what we're here to do is really um, change the game from the top down. Oh, very nice. Well, how, how, does it, how does it work then? How does it differentiate yeah. from like a typical venture, venture fund then? Yes, my favorite qu- question. I think <laughs> um, when we named, uh, when we called Future Capital, Future Capital, I never thought about, you know, how um, how often I would need to clarify that we are not a venture capital firm. Mm. So I, I need to say that up front because we're, okay. not, we're not a VC and that's by design. I think the VC model really works for a lot of people. It's a huge part of the reason that there has been so much growth and you know, advancement and innovation and technology and, um, and startups. Um, but we, we are a community driven and platform for investors. So we, we work with new and emerging investors as someone who is, you know, maybe just thinking about investing for the first time or has a small, Mm -hmm. small portfolio that they want to develop and enhance and expand. Um, we work with them and we meet them kind of at the beginning stages of, Mm. of, um, their journey. And we work with them, through basically three different pillars. So pillar number one is learning and, and mm-hmm. education. I'm an instructional designer by, by trade and my background is in programs. And so I really love and, and believe that learning is a, an incredible lubricant for upward mobility, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, learning and, and developing new skills is, is one of the big things that we do. And it's where we, we got our start. Um, we also work directly with the community to um, produce and share opportunities. So um, I, I, obviously I've got a network of founders and investors and institutional investors that I, I want to share with this community of, of new and emerging investors. And then, and then we also work in partnership with um, big companies and, and large corporations um, to, to get our message out there and to get, mm-hmm. um, get the mission and, and the initiatives that we're working on um, into um, these communities of kind of highly skilled operators. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we work in those three different ways, but really the underpinning and the core of what we're doing is um, developing this, this brand new community of investors and, and making sure that they have everything they need to be really successful in the world of startup investing. Well, that's super cool. I mean, you're, you're starting on the, you know, we'll, we'll say that, I guess that's the supply side and trying to, yeah. you know, educate and tool uh, people who, um, you know, might not have been um, just as, as, it hasn't been an opportunity as much and you're giving them, you know, or you're showing them the path towards that opportunity. Do you ever work on the deal flow side too, or is it just on the investor side? Is it like, you know, just the, the supply side as opposed to the demand side? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we work on every side. I think the the thing about um, venture capital as an industry is that you have to be kind of active on every side of the industry. It's very systemic the way that you, you know it works, and um, it's very relationship driven. And so for us, I, I don't think it would work. I don't think what we were do what we're doing would work if we didn't have um, access to really good companies, really great founders, um, organizations and partners that produce um, those great companies like accelerators and other programs like that. So, um, you know, I recently joined um, LOI Venture, Ryan Holmes' um, new venture firm as a venture partner. Um, and that's like just one of kind of a, a number of ways that we as Future Capital 
um, are able to attract really great companies and founders um, uh, and, and share them back with our community. So um, I think like one of the, you know, unique and kind of distinct characteristics of this industry is that it's so interconnected and 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 that everybody kind of it's small and everybody kind of knows about everybody else so i think mm -hmm. for, for us we we try to um work on both the as you said supply side so finding new investors mm -hmm. new communities um and and also the demand and, and producing that deal flow it's kind of we do like this survey um in our course and one of the biggest things that new investors, brand new investors want, or at least think they want is access to deal flow right away. I think there's mm -hmm. a couple steps that you need before you get that, but um, mm -hmm, it's something mm -hmm. that people come to us asking for kind of for right away. So we have to have something, something to share with them. Well, that's, that's interesting. And, and again, I, I love the mission, but here's a question. If we're talking about, we're trying to expand the, the old boys network of what yep. a lot of VCs were, mm -hmm. how frictionless is that relationship? When you when you're dealing with them, is are you welcomed or is this a get out of our club? Like, what, what, how does how does how does how does that feel? Well, I wouldn't describe it as frictionless at all, but <laughs> okay. But I I think you know just it more broadly speaking, I don't think innovation is typically frictionless, right? Like mm -hmm. for the yeah for the most part, if you're doing something that is disruptive in some way you're going to have folks that like, like it the way that it was <laughs> before, mm -hmm. but, but I, but what I will say is, um, you know, I launched this company in August of 2020 mm -hmm. and, um, that timing was no coincidence. So I, you know, I had been working on this for a while, um, while I was at the venture firm, it was a project that I was working at while mm -hmm. I was employed there. And that company, that, that firm was really, really supportive of the project as well. And mm -hmm. um, I think in the summer of 2020, um, I personally saw, you know, a window of opportunity open up to do something like this. And um, we, we all witnessed, you know, a lot of corporations, including, you know, every venture firm <laughs> um, in North America making these declarations about, you know, you know, creating pathways to, um, you know, funding or creating more accessible funding for people of color um, mm -hmm. and and underrepresented groups. And so, you know, for me, that was just the green light to go um, full speed and at, at building future capital. So mm. I think there is friction with everything, but I think we, we um, you know, really, really meditated on when was the right time to do this. And mm -hmm. I think post um, the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor mm -hmm. and, um, you know, essentially this massive civil rights movement that happened in the summer of 2020, um, it's, it feels like the world is really ready for something like, like what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we kind of bank on that as, as we go to new partners and as we um, find, you know, you know, stakeholders in the, in the ecosystem that could be considered competitors. We, we really mm -hmm. think, you know, this is important work and um, you said so too. <laughs> it is, it is. We say that, right? Like uh, everybody's made that, that declaration. So we, we mm -hmm. kind of capitalize off of that and, you know, ask people to put their money where their mouth is. And, and for the most part, we've, we've had a lot of support and, and mm -hmm. um, the, the friction I think that we've experienced has been more around just doing something that's really complicated and trying to simplify it mm. um, and, and, you know, create, we're working in what I call like 
pardon the pun, but we're working in a white space. So, and what I mean by white space is like, it's wide open. There's mm -hmm. not a ton of examples of how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of newness in venture capital. Even venture capital itself is a new industry. It's so constantly changing. It's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, like I, th I think um, a lot of the friction that we've experienced is like, okay, we're just kind of figuring a lot of it out. <laughs> But isn't it nice to be, I mean, again, change is beautiful. It's nice that you can be part of that change. Well, you mentioned, and, and, and you know, I'm, and I obviously am incredibly pleased to hear and, and, and recognize the importance of a lot of the corporations that are kind of putting their money where their mouth is. And yeah. now a lot of those, you know, the awful situations that happen in the recognition, of course, of the United States, um, we have similar histories, obviously, but do you find that the corporations in Canada are are up up for you know up for the up for trying to change the game or improve the game for for everyone as well yeah i think it's such a big question um and it's hard to answer it that generally because every sure. like every corporation is different right and mm -hmm. i so i what i will say is i'm a big proponent or I, i'm a big my philosophy is is really um that you can affect change from from within um, mm -hmm. you can also affect change by um, trying to change <clears throat> the systems themselves and through critique but I, i'm the kind of person that likes to change from within so i've worked uh, you know directly with a lot of big corporations um, mm -hmm. some of the biggest in, in mm -hmm. canada um, i won't name any names but you could find out pretty easily <laughs> who i've worked with it's like on my linkedin page but yeah <laughs> um, and yeah i see i've seen i i think you know in canada there's definitely been this story of Canada being like the um, the lesser, <laughs> um, you know, of the <laughs> not to use the word evil, but the lesser of two evils. If you look yeah, at yeah. Um, the U.S. and and Canada um, as you know, like these historical outposts of colonization, and um, I think I think Canada, you know lives up to its its name there you know i think canada is you know um a different society we're a different group of people um where we have different attitudes and and we engage with our history differently than you know our our southern neighbors mm -hmm. but but there's still just so much work that we need to do and there's Absolutely. there's there's still so much um equity that is is not really there for for a lot of people in the country so mm -hmm. i think it's um you know when you look at the corporations in in canada i think they're doing their best and there's still a lot more to do i like engaging with people directly versus kind of standing mm -hmm. from the outside and critiquing and, and criticizing personally i like getting involved and in kind of understanding how decisions are being made and and where i can help move the needle and, and i'm going to continue to do that um, as, as we move forward I, I think you know the like so there's 20 summer of 2020 and then mm -hmm. there's and then there's summer of 2021 in Canada, you know, with um, a lot of Indigenous um, groups, um, you know, becoming really the point of focus for us as, as a society. And I think um, we're still, it's, we're still really in process in terms of like, understanding the implications of that. I think I can speak for myself. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm still processing that. <laughs> so, so I can imagine like big corporations are also still processing that, but um, gotta completely. Get yeah, completely. I mean, we need to be all allies. And you know what I love about how you, when you, when you described your, your mission, you know, your first pillar is education and that's really where it starts. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, 
the fact that you know you are existing with this mission to to improve uh, Canada as a whole, you know, through the investment community. Uh, but you know, it's trickle down. It will, you know, it will improve through that vision. I, I, you know, I think I think it's just awesome. Well, well, you know what? I mean, LOI Ventures, League of Innovators. Um, I mean, is there there's LOI Innovate uh, League of Innovator Ventures and League of Innovators. Is that two separate things, or is that one thing kind of with a pretty little word innovator at the end? So, so League of Innovators is a nonprofit and a registered charity yeah. that's focused on developing entrepreneurial mm -hmm. acumen and and creating like the pipeline of talent for the next generation of startups. Mm -hmm. And then LOI totally Venture, <laughs> totally. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and LOI Venture um, was launched in. Uh, towards the end of 2021 mm -hmm. as a venture fund um, mm -hmm. that you know partners really closely with the charity so um, two separate entities um, a lot of the same uh, people kind of working in in both of those spaces and a very similar mess mission around really um, you know finding and developing and nurturing that next wave of startup and innovation talent and and, and that's awesome and, and and the fact that it's from people like i know you know quite a few of the people that are behind mm -hmm. LOI Ventures. Mm -hmm. And obviously they're very senior like yourself in the community and knowing that it's people that have already found their path that are there to not just help with, you know, monetary side, you know, with the, yeah. with the, with the venture fund, but also with the, the education side again. And I think that is just as, just as important. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure once, once you buy in uh, as, as, as a venture, uh, you know, when you take a position in a company, you want them to succeed too. So you open up your Rolodex or whatever it's called now contact list on your, on your iPhone. Um, but, you know, that's how you're going to help as well. So, well, well, tell me about your role. First off on the LOI, um, the League of Innovators side, because I was always impressed. This, mm. this is what I chat with you about in, in, in the past. I was always yeah. impressed by this in the mission. What, mm. what was your exact mission with that one? Uh, so you're referring to um, my time at LOI. So there so you go. a story there, right? So I, <clears throat> I joined LOI Venture as a venture partner, like I said, in, in 2021, but um, I actually got my my like sea legs at, uh, at the organization. So I, I joined um, Ryan Holmes and, and a team over at Hootsuite um, uh, when the company was called The Next Big Thing. I, I, I always say that because there's like a bunch of, there's like a faction of, um, especially in Vancouver, of people that know it by that name. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, re we kind of transitioned The Next Big Thing into League of Innovators. But I spent about three years working on that organization and on that, that mission. So my role while I was while I was there was really um, I, I think my final job title was the director of programs. But what that meant is I, I really helped to you know develop and, and nurture a community of um, you know young entrepreneurs um, at, with education being kind of the focal point and, and the biggest value that we off, offered them. So um, I worked with you know a bunch of really experienced, as you said, really senior leaders in the innovation space. We had, you know, um, Bruce, Pro Bruce Proxen, Proxen uh, Michelle Romano. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I could keep name dropping, but like a bunch of folks out of Ryan's network and out of our network that came in to really kind of be cheerleaders and um, subject matter experts for our, our founders, founders that were in the program. And I think over time, <clears throat> we realized that, you know, beyond education, community was um, 
another really big piece of the puzzle and the value add that we were um, putting out there into the world. So that was kind of my mission with within the organization. And, and to be honest, it was a really formative experience for me as an individual because um, coming in, I, I had spent like a bunch of years working in like super operational roles within startups, but this was my first kind of foray into the ecosystem side mm -hmm. of startups and understanding like, <clears throat> what is like the broader system? Who are all the stakeholders? Um, how do these companies get money? Like I was really interested in the financing side. Mm -hmm. And when I was working at LOI, um, I got to get really up close and personal with that process. And um, yeah, and then the, the rest is history. I ended up going, making the leap into venture capital after that. So. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, you know what, can you just tell me, because I, I again, I think that le le the League of Innovators, the, the next big thing, I, I think it was really, really cool. And I think it was formative of, of the Vancouver tech system where, you know, giving people at least a, a good channel um, to, yeah. to, to expand their opportunities um, and their, you know, get products to market and all that. What are you yeah. most proud of, of your work in those three years of? Uh, I'm most proud of taking um, a program and um, an experience that was in person and um, really originally um, centered around, you know, a really small group of really talented people sitting next to each other um, in, mm -hmm. in the same space, right? I'm really proud of taking that um, and digitizing it. And, and I was a big part of, um, you know, I led the project actually of taking um, that program, putting it online and, and effectively scaling it. Like, I think, the, the, cohort, the cohort that I stepped into, I, I might be like somewhat off on these numbers, but I won't be too far off. I mm -hmm. think there was like 12 companies, maybe 10 companies. And then the cohort that I left, there was, you know, 30. And, the, and wow. but, but then doing that like three times a year kind of mm -hmm. thing. So um, we really were able to take this experience um, digitize it and reach, you know, a significantly broader pool of young people um, with ideas. And I think that was, I think it's something that I'm most proud of, but it's also something that I've like kind of carried with me through the rest of my career. It's like an understanding of what, you know, um, what you can do. I, I think we're also a little bit ahead of our time in doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think many other accelerators were um, in going through that process yet. There was still like a ton of value and emphasis placed on like in-person desk space. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, why don't we take this online and reach a ton of different people? And, and that was, you know, the vision of, you know, the leaders of the organization and the board. But I was really, um, yeah, really proud of being able to execute on that and, and get it from, from point A to point B. At scale, at scale. Yeah. That's yeah. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, well, I, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Highline Beta because I think that's an interesting company because they seem very Canadian focused as opposed to you know I'm Western, I'm Toronto, I'm all that. Like it, it does have a bit of a Canadian approach to it, at least from my readings of it. And in mm -hmm. fact, it feels like now it's turned into a bit of a um, innovation studio, um, a, a little bit more where they're doing some internal stuff. But you tell me about your work you did uh, with with Highline Beta. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, I, I started working on Future Capital while I was there and, and received incredible support from, from many of the team members at Highline Beta. And, um, you know, I think the, I mean, you're definitely right about the venture studio model. That's something that um, the firm does a lot of writing about and a lot of thought leadership on. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone that doesn't know, you know, really what the venture studio model is, it's um, really a partnership structure between um, an invest, like a venture capital firm and a founder and the venture capital firm 
um, we'll meet the founder kind of where they're at. It's usually typically early on in, in a founder or startup journey and, and the venture capital firm will really lean in and provide you know a ton of support and resources to get the idea kind of off the ground um and i think you know one of the my, my work at, at highline beta was really focused on you know the fund side and supporting um you know the development of like a really healthy pipeline of um diverse investors into the fund and um but but i think with a lot of like firms you do a bit of everything like you're, it's not a big like venture capital for the most part are you know smaller tighter teams and and therefore you end up you know having your hands on a lot of different pots you're not like sectioned off over here doing this one thing so i got mm -hmm. to you know um see and, and work on you know a lot of different things while i was there and i think one of the biggest takeaways um for me from from that experience was just that like innovation is about trying things and, and being really experimental and, and even with your model, right? Like I think what you're referring to is that Highline Beta has like a unique model, like a venture model. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, it's, and, and I think it's, it's complex and I love that complexity. And we brought that, mm -hmm. um, that type of complexity into future capital, even though it's a very different model. Um, and so I think, you know, some of the big takeaways from that experience is that you don't have to you can chart your own path and even even at the business model level like you don't have to do the conventional vc approach um mm -hmm. where you've got like a 2080 rule and like you have like these two ways of making money you can do things differently and you can um be creative um mm -hmm. as long as you're like you own it and you're you're you know communicative with the state the right stakeholders so mm -hmm. yeah it was really cool i i think um being it, like in venture capital was a really big kind of lifelong goal of mine and and yeah it was it was just like a total learning experience a lifelong goal of venture capitalists when did you think you were going to be a venture like when did well, that I become never, your goal i'm I, you know i've never heard anyone <laughs> i mean maybe now kids say that but i've never you know i want to no. be the hockey player i want to you know uh it'll be a lawyer or something like that yeah. i want to be a venture capitalist tell me when you first thought that was a thing well, I, I probably only like knew that that was a thing when I started working in startups. So that's about okay. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I think um, w when I say lifelong goal, I mean, I, 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 I think of venture capital the same way that I think of like, you know, um, boards of directors. Um, it's like, you know, that that level of like governance and decision making power. Mm -hmm. Um, and influence and responsibility also that comes with that power. I think that like, that is, that was always a goal for me. I was like, I, I you know, I want to be really, really knowledgeable and I want to, I, I would never want to be in a role where you have that kind of like influence and, and authority without having the right experience or, mm. you know, um, the background that I believe is, is necessary to do the job well. But I think, um, you know, from from the outset, I've always been like really ambitious and I've always wanted to, to you know, make make a dent and, and um, have like some sort of an impact. And I think, yeah, when I my first job in tech was at um, a company called Indochino, which oh, yeah. um, when I joined was definitely a tech company because mm -hmm. their, like engineering was like the biggest department and um, their algorithm was like their bread and butter. I think the company has evolved quite a bit. It's been a while they, since I worked there. They've solved a lot of problems since then. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
but but I remember like I came on board right after they'd gotten I want to say their Series A funding. Like I mm-hmm. I was so new that I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> like, okay, like I guess you guys have money, but um, and and I and I remember like right away like understanding that these VCs were the ones that gave them the money to hire all of us and and for me to go hire like a big team and I was like who are those people <laughs> I was like how, how, how do like, I how do they wave that money my yeah, way you know exactly. I'm like so who are those guys and I want to know more about that and so that was kind of I was always really curious about that kind of like um that decision making chamber <laughs> well, that's that oh that's 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 super interesting well you know I mean you've you've had you know really interesting times you know helping um, grow companies or growing entrepreneurs, I'll even say, because sometimes, you know what, the thing they learn is walk away and get back into the game For doing sure. something different, um, you know, ha- having that conversation. But have you, like, is there any companies of interest that you can, you know, that you share that maybe have come out of uh, benefiting from uh, the work you've done? Though I'm oh sure gosh. they all have one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if I didn't have an answer for this? <laughs> <laughs> Most don't. Most don't. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I, okay, I will say, I'm going to share some of the companies that you'll that people will know and then I'll share some of the companies that people won't know. So Perfect. like one of the big success stories um, from the first cohort that I worked on at at the time the next big thing eventually League of Innovators. I should just call it League of Innovators to simplify. So LOI um, baby. <laughs> LOI, yeah, the, the, the Smart Suites and so Tara mm-hmm. Bosch um, is the founder of Smart Suites and mm-hmm. um, she built this healthy candy company, a snack brand um, that exited in 2020 for at the two, I, I won't say the, the dollar amount cuz I <laughs> I don't know the exact number but it's hundreds of millions of dollars. It was public, company. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was public. And as a diabetic, um, I love what she did. Totally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just such a mission-driven um, business. So that was a, a big one. And I think um, the the program, we like we met Tara like really early on in mm-hmm. her journey when there was, she was still figuring out like some some of the basic problems before they got to like the, you know, eventual scale that, that you know, really worked for them. Um, I think when I when I'm thinking, you know, future capital, we we work with really early stage companies, and some of my favorite companies that we've um, supported and and worked alongside um, are in also in that CPG, that consumer packaged goods space. Mm-hmm. And so um, one one of them is actually a company out of um, Southern California called Belly Welly. Belly um, Welly. Yeah, it's a <laughs> snack brand of I um, of IBS friendly foods mm. um, and they've started out with these brownies that are incredible and they've got like these awesome billboards up in like all, all over now but in California and New York and um, they're they're growing really fast and they're awesome really company we've worked with um, Sunscoop which is an ice cream brand out of New York um, Curie which is um, a wellness company and a scent brand out of Southern California mm. um, and uh, yeah, another company that we worked with was Halu, which is formerly known as Heirloom, which is um, mm. a very different company. So it's a tech company, it's legal tech, um, artificial intelligence driven, driven platform that, that helps folks with the process of trademarking. And so um, I share some of those, other, those, those brands that are maybe lesser known just because I'm really <laughs> excited about what they're gonna turn Good. into. Yeah, yeah. I think That's we- fantastic. One of, the, one of my favorite things about this work is we get like we get to work with companies at kind of that pre-seed seed stage. Mm-hmm. So there's um, a lot of 
it's just a lot of it is about the founder, as you you mentioned, and mm -hmm. a lot of it is just about being able to see their vision, and it's cool mm -hmm. to see some of them already like executing and building that already in, in such a short period of time. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, um, well, you know what? I mean, you're always talking about startups. Uh, have you ever done one yourself? Yeah, well, Future Capital is a startup. Okay, um, give me that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't a founder, so I give yes, you that one. Yeah. But prior to Future Capital, have you ever have you ever tried it? Yeah. Tried to go through the game yourself and learn learn from the hard knocks. You know, I'd say Future Capital is my first startup. Mm -hmm. That's that's like that's the truth. Is that this is the first time that I'm building a startup where like my name is on the checks and, and I'm the <laughs> one that's, you know, um, responsible and accountable at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But the last decade of my life, I've been working in and around startups, right? Mm -hmm. So like, like I mentioned Indochino and mm -hmm. I've worked at a bunch of different companies um, at, at those really early stages. And so I'm, I'm like kind of a lifelong student. I've always been really um, like paying, I've always paid really close attention to like, how, how the startups are run, um, how the leaders are making decisions, um, what's working, what's not working. So I've, I've been exposed to the experience, but this is my first time like kind of going all in on my own. So it's That's been, awesome. it's been, we're coming up on two years and it's, I mean, I can't, I can't think of another two year period of my life where I've learned more than, than the last two years. That's amazing. That's me. And, and congratulations, because you have to have the bug that you got to bite it at some point, right? You just yeah. got to jump in. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you you must have seen so many, so many, um, you know, startup types that you're, you just, you wreck, like, I recognize them that you come across. It's like, you got to walk away, man. Like, you have yeah. to, you have to, you have to walk away. How, how difficult is it to have that conversation? And have you had that conversation? Because I know I have, and it's, it's better when you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. I definitely have had that conversation. I think working in, in an accelerator, like so much of your job is helping people understand when um, the experiment is done. And, mm -hmm. and so I say the experiment, I've always, I've always thought of startups as like these um, experiments around commercialization. So you're taking an idea and mm -hmm. you're taking hopefully an iterative experimental approach to figuring out whether or not you can commercialize that idea. So um, said differently, if I want to solve the problem of, you know, um, people, I'll use Smarties as an example, people like taking too much sugar in, mm -hmm. in their snacks, you know, there's a bunch of different ways I can solve that problem. As a founder, my job is to, you know, create a strategy, create a plan and figure out which one of these ways is actually going to work? Where can, how can we commercialize it? And I think, um, you know, when you're working in the accelerator, you see so like the job of the accelerator is to actually figure out which ones don't work and, and fast, right? You want to mm -hmm, figure that mm -hmm. out as fast as possible. So I think that conversation is difficult the later it happens in the journey, like more difficult the later, the later it happens. I think at the early stages, if you can figure out that something, there, there's no opportunity there and you've only invested three, six, 12 months into it, that's a win. Cause then you can go on to move on to the next idea or mm -hmm. the next opportunity for yourself. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Like, have you had that conversation? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've needed that conversation myself. I mean, my first startup mm. failed and I, I probably mm. took it longer than I should have. I wish someone would be honest, but one thing that I find in, in almost everything I do, and this is going to sound a little BS, -y, you know, marketing BS, -y, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind it is I am so bluntly honest with, with every yeah. idea. I, I, I call it like when I have, you know, startup people that come to me to, to build their stuff. I call it 
wet blanket mode where if they're mm-hmm. they're young and I think their idea might need a little bit of fine tuning. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just say, hey, dude, I'm about to throw or, or young lady, I'm about to throw a blanket over your head of water. Tell me how to get out of it. Like, and then I just ask the, the hardest questions yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm like, you know what, I would love to build this for you, but I don't think you should build it, you know, or yeah. I, 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 I find that in, in, in my elder years, okay, <laughs> the more honest you can be with people, the better you serve them and the better they, 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 they feel like you've done them a favor. I had, I had one fellow, I've known him because he's one of the guys, and I'm sure you've seen them before, that follows the hackathons, trying to get his product constantly yeah, built at totally. hackathons. Yeah, always yeah, gets yeah. it built like a quarter of the way, never the yes. full way. Yeah. Always says, oh, I want to own this and everything. But I mean, at one point, he came to my office just to chat. Um, this is a couple of years back. And he told me that his wife just left him. He's sleeping on the street. Oh and goodness. he didn't really know what to do. So he asked if he could sleep in my office. And I'm like, well, first off, forget doing everything you're doing. Go back and get a job. I gave him a hundred bucks. It's all I had in my wallet. Cause I'm like, you got to get off. You can't sleep in my office for, for legal reasons or insurance yeah. reasons, but you got to stop. Like you have to figure out yeah. how to get yourself right again. Yeah. And, and I feel like he did because I didn't see him out and about constantly mm-hmm. doing things, or at least I hope he did. But yeah. that was one of those big moments to me of recognizing that, you know, it's a lifestyle and sometimes yeah. that lifestyle can destroy you. I, and I, I think it's important to have that honest conversation, make sure that, you know, maybe there's someone that has to play the pathway to, to find a little bit of salvation in that too. I really appreciate that example because I think it gets at um, something that people are talking more about, but I think should be more central to how we think about um, building companies, which is like the, the toll on the founder and um, the right kind of structure for building a company, which is going to be different depending on the person. People have different capacities. There's like a really good analogy that I heard once on a podcast about, um, you know, when someone says I have my plates full or I have too much on on my plate, um, one thing that you have to understand is that people have different sizes of plates, right? Like, like you know, I can only speak for myself, but I have like a weird work ethic for sure. Um, and there are periods that sometimes feel kind of manic where I'm just like, I can't stop working because I've got, you know, I'm like, you know, in a rhythm. And then and then there are other periods where, you know, maybe I don't have all of the ideas that I had last week. Um, but the, the toll on the founder is like actually um, fairly significant. And I think really? it is important for anyone that's in innovation especially at the especially at the founder level to have people that will be honest with them and 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 just tell them the truth like when something isn't really isn't working or it isn't working for them um specifically i think that's critically important and um there's probably a bit of a lack of that i think in the ecosystem because it's so results driven everybody wants to see that return so they're like yeah just push yourself as hard as you possibly can especially as investors we're like oh you're working up until 3 a.m awesome i guess my investment is going somewhere but but there's more to it right you need you need the founder to be intact you need them to be taken care of to see the vision through all the way well people only really read about the you know the googles and the airbnbs and you know those big wins but they don't Mm -hmm. realize that that is such a small 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 percentage of of everything else that i think it's really important to be talking about the 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 losses and the learnings we'll call it losses and learnings because you're not losing anything you're just you're just learning from it and recognizing Mm -hmm. that maybe there's a better thing to spend your energy and time on right so i i think it's really important um 
um, you know, to be speaking about that again, I've, I think so, I've yeah. done some failed startups. I wouldn't be in the game if I hadn't, cause I learned from every one of them, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I, just because I love the name, I want to, I want to ask you about your role, Queer Tech. What's that all about? Oh yeah. <laughs> I just joined the board of Queer Tech in 2021. And, um, you mentioned it earlier, their, their mission is to queer the tech tech ecosystem. And, um, yeah, I've got like a bit of a history of working on or working with and on nonprofits and registered charities. And that is just being continued with Queer Tech. Um, my role there, like as a, as a board member is really to support the founders of Queer Tech and, and the executive team as they um, continue to scale their, their organization across the country. And um, the reason that it's important Important to me and, and the reason that I, I joined the team is because I, I know so as a member of the LGBTQ um, community I, I, I know firsthand that um, queerness is a really hard thing to measure um, in companies in industries um, in society um, there's a veil around queerness for you know a lot of good reasons and I think um, uh, the work that queer tech is doing to to really create like these kind of safe open safer open spaces in technology is critically important because um, you know as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation tech and innovation and startups are I, I actually believe in 2022 like in our mo modern era like the best lubricant for upward mobility <laughs> like mm -hmm. and, and so um, you know, if you if you believe that, which I believe, and you understand that there's like this complexity around, even just like identifying, you know, queer people in the workforce or, um, you know, nurturing queer talent um, at any level. I I, I'm, I really want to be part of like the solution there. I've I've done a lot of work with um, other queer organizations at. at you know, in, that are pointed in very different directions, like the refugee work that mm -hmm. I've done with Ra Rainbow Refugee and, and the Foundation of Hope. Um, and I think, um, you know, that is some of the most rewarding work that I've ever done. And I anticipate I that it. I'll be able to say the same thing about Queer Tech. Um, I love it. Well, we're, we are all lucky that you are helping multiple communities then, um, <laughs> you know, within Canada and the education. And, you know, one, one thing that I always, I, I, I love about, I mean, in, in, in our industry of, of tech, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I would like to think it's relatively open-minded and open-hearted. Yeah. I know we are, uh, you know, in every front, but I like to try, I mean, I just turned 49. I I'm, I'm an old well, dog. And, oh yeah, there you go. Sort of my twin brother. But you know, what I love is the fact that, you know, gender identification. So the pronouns, mm -hmm. you know, and the challenges around that, I didn't really understand it, but my 15 year old daughter explained it to me so well. And she yeah. has some friends oh who want to be known as yes. they, yes. and for me, yes. I want, I want to be, you know, I want to give them the respect that if that's how they want to be identified, like mm -hmm. that's fine. But it's so difficult for me just m mentally to say it, but I love seeing my kids, how easy it is for them. And yes. that gives me hope. Yes. The fact that it's like, of course it's they, like, why is yes. that hard dad? And um, <laughs> anyway, I just want to reflect on how, how much I love that. I think the next generation is yeah. going to even be better at this than, uh, yeah. you know, old, old, old dogs like me. Can I just say, I, I like, I'm so happy you brought that up. And I think that example that you used is such a perfect example because a 
just just to be really really clear i'm still learning right like i like i identify <laughs> as yeah a member of the lgbtq community for sure um but i don't know everything and i'm still i'm still learning about you know gender identification and um you know uh the full spectrum of what it means to be you know non-binary or trans and um i think that it's totally okay to be learning. And I think actually the, like you said, the next generation um, is just has a different kind of understanding and real, like lives in a different reality around, um, you know, sexual identity, gender identity. And I think we can learn a lot from them. Um, and and I, 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 I love hearing people just embracing that, you know, um, that new way of thinking and having an open mind to it. And I think we just, yeah, we need to be talking a little bit more about it just openly like that. Cause it's, I, I think people get in, into a mode where they become really afraid of like <laughs> saying the wrong thing. Um, mm. And that's not actually going to be that productive. <laughs> no, no. But you know, and the conversation needs to be open because it needs to be human, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the first yeah. problem is when it's segmented. Well, yeah. I'm not part of that community. So why do I have to do that? Totally. Well, because I have a good friend, like from the, you talked about the Rainbow Refugee, one, one of one of my, well, I've got lots of favorite employees, but one of my very favorite employees, uh, he, 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 he was from, I believe he was from that group where he, he, um, um, he had to come from a so post-Soviet country to kind of get away from things. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple of conservative Christian, you know, I'll just say not closed-minded because they're definitely not closed-minded people, but just yeah. hadn't been around the community and boy did the work first off the workplace was so much fun with this fellow because he was such a fun guy oh my god when 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 he quit to move on to a bigger company everyone cried like it was one of those ones wow. where everyone cried because it was such but but it was a human approach where i actually watched the one fellow who we thought might be you know a bit of a challenge with with being yeah. comfortable yeah go and give the guy a hug right away and it's like yeah dude, this is awesome. Like it was just so awesome to be part of. And, and again, I think it's, you know, it, it, it starts at ex not being accepting of everyone. Well, it is, but just being open-minded to everyone and then try to meet as many people as you can for uh, different communities. You don't segment anyone, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's um, prior to launching future capital, we, we did a bunch of research and we talked to a bunch of potential customers and we, we looked at like a lot of the data and the data just shows you that we're moving into a more diverse um, populace in North America. And oh, yeah. I think, you know, this is, I'm citing an old date, like um, data point. So this, this might be different today, but I know, um, you know, there is a think tank um, in the U S that projected that by like, I think it was 2035, the U.S. will be um, majority minority, right? And you got to think about like the world is just going to look very different <laughs> very soon. Very do, soon. Do, right? do you know what my data points for all that is? You might have you might have some think tank, but I have there's a lot better restaurants in every city I go to now, and I'm so much happier oh, for no it because kidding. we have yeah. <laughs> so much more diversity. I know food food really is like the it just like breaks down all the barriers when you can just like eat food from like. Uh, different culture and you're like oh yeah I get it <laughs> I, I get it you know yeah. I get it well you know I want to touch on because here's another big and I'd say diverse um Canadian or Vancouver success story of Lululemon you sit on their advisory council for diversity what, what's your role with that yeah so actually I I no longer sit on that council uh, but um I joined so this was our, a, our, our like, researcher will be whipped 
okay no, are we <laughs> myself actually for, for that, but um so my role with lululemon has been um ongoing like i joined lululemon as an ambassador in 2019 um and so uh, i've worked with like kind of the brand team and the community team um to you know be representative for the brand and in 2020 lululemon decided like a lot of other companies that they wanted to do more to support um, diversity within their own community. So specifically based in Vancouver, we pulled together a group of um, mostly ambassadors, but folks from very different walks of life and um, worked, worked through some you know, really big challenges that the company um, was facing. And, and again, like I, I say, like, like many other companies, um, you know, you know, realized that it was time to, you know, do even more than they had already been doing on diversity uh, and inclusion. And so um, we, we really just kind of, my role there was just kind of like as a consultant, really just consulting mm -hmm. on some of their initiatives and, and some of the ways um, that they were gonna um, really plant the seeds for, um, you know, increased accessibility to their products, to information within their staff around, you know, diversity and inclusion. And that work continues, like I said, my, my term as a, as a member there is, is over, but that work continues. And um, we, we've actually partnered with Lululemon as like uh, Future Capital has partnered with Lululemon mm -hmm. um, to create some content around diversity and inclusion nice. um, for a live stream series called um, Sweat Equity um, mm -hmm. that I'm going to plug right now. It's really great. You can you can um, go to our website and watch some of the live streams there. Um, but I think just kind of broadly, like that, like I said, I've I've worked with many like large organizations on this type of thing, and I, and I think you know I could we could probably have a whole other conversation about like. Um, DNI and corporations. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna actually just. This is kind of weird, but I'm gonna plug a movie that I just watched, a documentary Please. I just watched on Netflix called White Hot about okay. Abercrombie and Fitch. That is like dives really, really deep into um, corporate social responsibility where diversity mm -hmm. is concerned. Um, for anybody that's like, really interested on the topic, I think they did a really good job. Good model or bad model that they did? Oh, bad. Yeah, yeah, I that's mean, what I, I was concerned about. Yeah, and I say I'm like I used to work for that company at, at one uh, like in a le uh, another lifetime, and <laughs> oh my gosh, this movie was so good. They just like <laughs> totally dissected, you know, how to do it really wrong. How do you do diversity inclusion inclusion really really wrong? Wow. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I, challenge, I challenge everyone to watch that one. I know I, I know I definitely will. Well, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. So I would, again, our researcher, our famous researcher, AKA, you know, there's three of us, but you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're digging, we're digging deep. We're digging deep. But I saw that you went to Western University. Yeah. So why do you live in Vancouver? You're from, you're from Scarborough, from my yeah. understanding. Yeah. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. we went deep, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and then on, on, on to Vancouver, what brought you out here? You know, um, there's two different versions of that story. <laughs> There's like the personal story and then the professional. Okay. Uh, I'll tell a mix of both. So, you know, I, as I shared um, already on this podcast, like I, um, I identify as a gay man and I, part of me moving out to Vancouver was because I wanted to have like a bit of a fresh start um, but the other part, and like, I think honestly, the more direct driver was I got a job out in Vancouver. So <laughs> that I, helps. yeah, so like that was, I don't think I probably would have, I probably wouldn't have moved, um, if it wasn't for, for that offer. But, um, yeah, a friend of mine, or actually an ex-colleague of mine, um, had left, 
um, the like big corporate environment that we have both worked in to work for a startup Indochino, which I mentioned. And she called me one day and was like, hey, do you want to come work with me on this startup? And I was like, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> I was like ready to do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I came out here for opportunity, which I think is kind of unique because I think a lot of people think of Toronto as like the, yeah, the center yeah. for opportunity. Yeah. And I think that mix of those personal motivations of like, you know, wanting to have a bit of a fresh start um, uh, and just that specific opportunity were, were really the reasons that put me out here. The reason that I stay here is because I really hate the winter <laughs> and I hate snow. <laughs> and I also have really fallen in love with, um, you know, the lifestyle and, and, mm -hmm. and the attitudes of like, not just Vancouver, but the Pacific Northwest. I think that sure. it, they're really beacons of like, um, just progressive ideas. And mm -hmm. I think it's a really, yeah, it's a really great place to live. I, I love it here. Well, I, whatever the reason was, I'm glad you, I'm glad you made that jump and, and, and didn't buy the return ticket. So that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. Well, you know what? I, I just want to think about, I mean, cause I think you're very ambitious. Like what you're trying to do is, and it's not selfish ambitious, it's community ambitious, which I think is, is, you know, needs to be amplified, but you know, 30 years from now, when, yeah. when you're the 49 year old, like myself. Okay. Um, I, I don't think you're that young. I'm just saying that, but you know, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, but What's your legacy? How do you want to be remembered? Oh, that's a big question. It's a huge um, question. I think um, you're right to note that a lot of my ambition and the things that drive me are um, around like creating like different versions of, you know, um, systems or organizations or, you know, the world really than, than the ones that I experienced. So I think my my legacy, just to put it simply, is like, I, I, I always thought of like my trajectory in business. Like every time I got a promotion or, you know, moved into like a more um, challenging role or industry, it always felt really unlikely uh, you know, like be during, before, during, and after. Like I, I remember like when I got hired at Highline Beta, and you know was um, you know in this really at the time really exclusive community of venture capitalists. I was like, I can't believe they hired me. <laughs> and I, I think my legacy. I, I want to make sure that that it just feels less unlikely. I want, I want to make it more likely for people like me who have backgrounds that aren't you know super conventional to um reach whatever goal it is that they want to reach within their career within their life and i think that's that's enough for me is just like really um carving out new pathways make, making it more more possible for people to do well and do what they believe I love in. it helping helping open doors i mean do you want do you want to know a dirty secret of why i got yeah. into uh, the startup world yeah because i'm completely unemployable yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> somewhat true about myself as well. <laughs> I think mean, that's funny. Like a lot of startup founders are obviously like incredible, but there's like this specific thing about a lot of founders where you're like, 
oh yeah, you, it would be really hard to manage you. <laughs> you know, like oh, if you're, I'm told like, that all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm having way too much fun in this one. I, I almost called you Merlin on purpose again, because it's fun for me. But okay, Merlin, but you know, um, again, afternoon tea, the theme is to talk to Canadian, uh, you know, founders, Canadian companies or to prepare mm -hmm. that next generation of startup or founders. So mm -hmm. tell me what, why don't you share one piece of advice? This is the Merlin advice that you could share uh, to help expedite their journey. Get good advisors get really, really good advisors. And um, I use the word advisor versus mentor because I think mentors are fantastic, but what, the only reason Future Capital has been as successful as it has is because I have this incredible group of advisors that are mm -hmm. way more expert than I am in very specific areas, right? So I've got, you know, someone that's really awesome on communications. I got really someone that's really awesome on revenue and revenue leadership and, and monetization. I've got someone that's really excellent at product, right? And I think that is the only way, honestly, for 99% of entrepreneurs to figure it out. I think if you think you're gonna figure it out on your own, you're really gonna shoot yourself in the foot really fast because A, it's not that you're not capable, you'll, you just, you're one person, you'll probably burn out. Even if you've got three co-founders, um, you need deep expertise um, around you um, in order to make it work. That's, that's my advice. Great advice. Great advice. I, I, I have 100% get behind that. No, and also, if you are going to get advice, don't just, if you're, if you're the tech guy, don't just get the tech advice, get advice outside okay. of your expertise, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, some because of, you want to be rounded. Some of our, our best advisors are just customers, like mm. people that, that we are building our products for. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like those are some of the greatest advisors for us because they are honest about what they'll use and what they won't use and where they're, where they'll spend their money. And, and, and they'll also accept three quarters of the way with the idea and the vision of where it's going to go sure. and help you find it. And people don't understand that it has to be a hundred percent. No, no, never, no, never, <laughs> never find the people that understand your vision and support it and then yes. have them help find your stride towards exactly. it. Exactly. So. Oh, that's such a good way of, of framing it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, here's my favorite question. Cause mm -hmm. I always love to hear people's <laughs> thoughts on this. Cause this is, you know, where we wave our flag, you know, yeah. sea to shining sea. It is the afternoon tea or something like that. Um, <laughs> can you share the name of a Canadian entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to? I, oh my gosh. Okay. I've been thinking about this for mm -hmm. a while. Okay. It's a, hard, it's a hard one for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but um, I, I think of, so the person that keeps coming to mind is Mark Lafleur from True Local, mm -hmm. um, and I'll, like I'll be honest, it's just I th I think it's really inspiring to see people like you, especially as like an underrepresented, like severely underrepresented minority. Um, you know, black like black people just don't get funded; they don't have these exit stories. It's just very rare, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I've always like really looked up to Mark and, and entrepreneurs like him. A, lo a lot of the like the entrepreneurs that inspire me, I think of um, come, like come from the states as well. So, um, but in Canada, I think yeah, Mark's story has been really incredible. Um, I've always been a, a big fan of Sharzad as well, mm -hmm, um, Sharzad mm -hmm. Rafati from um, yeah. TV TV. Um, I think just the way she built that company was like really cool, really impressive. Um, I think she's a really interesting figure. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I could probably keep going, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. 
that's awesome. I mean, those are two fantastic people. And I mean, with Charles, I mean, it's her vision and it's her vision. You know, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I like about it. that. And I saw her at Collision uh, a couple of years back. She interviewed Trudeau mm -hmm. um, and she had the nicest hat. Like it was just this beautiful, big <laughs> hat that, that only she could pull off in such an elegant way. I got to say. I can, uh, I can think of, I, I see the picture in my mind, actually. I've seen, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> Oh man, are you going to be at Collision? I hope you're going to be at Collision this year. I think I'm going to be at Collision this year. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to hang out then. I, yes. I bring the puffy jacket. This is this will be my first time at Collision, so I'm really excited. Really? Yeah, oh, it's a fantastic I, show. I joined um, as like a a viewer virtually. Um, mm -hmm. I think they did a virtual one last year. Yeah, last year it wasn't the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is going to be different. Yeah, this is going to be good. I'm going to be back in Toronto, my hometown, and yeah, I'm excited. Hey, we'll all we'll all run naked through Scarborough, right? That's I'm that's what we do. do. That, but I support you. <laughs> I support you. <laughs> Martin, thank you so much for sharing. This is this has been way too much fun for me. Yeah, I can't, be I can't believe I call this a job because this is way <laughs> too much fun for me. Um, but thank you for 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 spending time and and also for the, for such the mission driven work that you do to make everyone better. Because you know you may be thinking about hey, you know I I focus on maybe you know two communities you know we, we, we've got queer tech and we've got yeah. you know the the, the the African um population here but by doing that you're expanding it for everyone because yeah. you're making education an opportunity so much greater that it gives opportunity across the board so thank you you know even while focusing on say two groups which is an amazing width already the the, the breadth of that is monstrous and and I really appreciate all you do for it Thank you for saying that. And thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. If it's not before um, our, our conference time in, in Toronto, um, then I'll see you in Toronto and that'll be fun. I'm excited for it. Either way, any anytime you're in for tea, I'm up. I'm down. Yeah, I'm yeah. down and up. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.